Get your fill of baseball news and beer reviews at foulballarea.com. Follow our blog for the latest news around the baseball world and read about some of our favorite ballpark beers. Tune into the podcast every Wednesday as we take a deep dive into the topics of the day. Stay connected by signing up for our mailing list or following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Foulball Area. Now, here's today's episode of the Foulball Area Podcast with Matthew Atkins and Trey Lyle. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Foul Ball Area Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Atkins. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Trey Lyle, and we are excited to be back for another week of baseball talk with all of you listeners out there. Thank you for tuning in to today's edition of Foul Ball Area. Trey, how are you doing today? I see you got your setup. You're, uh, we're recording on Sunday this week, so you're watching some NFL playoffs. I see that you are uh, very intent on the TV, and uh, hopefully you'll be able to pay attention to the podcast a little bit. But how are you doing today? Well, there's no game going on while we record this. It's recording after your Baltimore Ravens finally get it done. Lamar Jackson wins a playoff game. But I'm doing pretty well. How are you, Matthew? Well, you can imagine I'm doing pretty well. Like you said, the Ravens did just win a playoff game. Lamar Jackson wins the first playoff game of his career, which I do want. I know we're we're a baseball podcast, but I do want to talk about that real quick. I don't understand this criticism and this narrative that he had never won a playoff game. He He's only in his third season. He's only played two full seasons, and in both of those seasons, he made the playoffs. Yes, he didn't win, but only two seasons. Like that, That's such a small sample size to say, oh, he can't win in the playoffs. It was only two seasons, but he finally did. I'm glad that narrative is over. People can find something else to criticize him about because he will never get all the respect that he deserves for being the great quarterback that he is. But I am very happy that the Ravens finally won a playoff game six years since they last won in the postseason. So we'll see who they end up playing next week, uh, depending on the outcome of the Steelers game tonight. But I'm very excited about that and happy. I'm in a really good mood now. But I am ready to shift our focus and get on to some baseball It talk. will probably be the Chiefs, uh, just saying. Because yeah, uh, I probably. think because the Cleveland Browns are without their head coach tonight. So We'll see. We'll so see. that's that's unfortunate. It looks like it'll be one and done for the Ravens. At least they're in the playoffs. Unlike, hey man, <laughs> uh, the Eagles won a Super Bowl before uh, since the last time the Ravens did. Just yeah, want to yeah. point that out. Yeah. All right. Anyway, we we are a baseball podcast, so uh, it's time to get into some of the baseball news that's been going on since we last talked to you all on Monday of last week. Um, starting off with a little bit of sad news this week, as Hall of Famer and just all around. You know, when you think of baseball people, baseball legend. men, legend, this guy is, you know, he's a, a classic baseball guy. Tommy Lasorda passed away on Thursday at the age of 93. He was a longtime manager, player, and executive with the Los Angeles Dodgers. I think that he was involved with the Dodgers in some capacity the longest period of time out of anybody. I think it was only him and Vince Scully had been involved with the Dodgers in some capacity for decades. I mean, way longer than anyone has ever been involved with any team. Like, I think I think 70 years, Tommy Lasorda was a member of the Dodgers organization, either as a player, as a coach, a manager, an executive. He just always had some kind of role with the Dodgers. He was a two-time World Series champion as their manager, winning in 1981 and 1988, a two-time National League Manager of the Year in 1983 and 1988, a Hall of Fame manager, served in numerous roles as an executive after retiring from his manager career. He was a, a vice president, a general manager, just always around the team. When you think 
of a baseball guy. Tommy Lasorda is who you think of. Tommy Lasorda was one of the greatest managers we've seen in baseball, winning two World Series titles, 81-88, obviously before the season, the last World Series title. And kind of those Dodger teams were sometimes not even the favorites in the National League, unlike you know this Dodger team that was assembled. And it's pretty fitting how the last game that he got to see with the Dodgers, they won it all in this past season so that that feels pretty good so yeah it it's just tragic a bad way to kick off 2021 um obviously politically uh with what happened and uh, you know we're not really here to talk about that but it seems that 2021 is picking up right where 2020 let off a little bit but uh still feeling pretty hopeful for the year but uh like you said a, a great manager a great dodger and um obviously already a hall of famer yeah just like you said uh 2021 not off to the best start with the events that have happened recently and losing tommy lasorda on the baseball side and it just continues a a number of deaths that we've seen among hall of famers going back to last summer with al kaline passing away lou brock bob gibson uh phil necro pretty recently a longtime pitcher for the atlanta braves and a hall of famer passed away just a couple of weeks ago and now tommy lasorda passing away this past week at the age of 93. So our thoughts and prayers are with his family and friends and the entire Dodgers organization. Also, Vince Scully's wife passed away recently. I think that was earlier last week. So a couple of notable deaths among the Dodgers organization recently, and it's First really a, a tough time tough time for them. So our thoughts with Vince Scully as well and his family. And again, thoughts and prayers with the entire Dodgers organization as they are dealing with the passing of Tommy Lasorda. Now let's get on to a bit of the hot stove news and rumors that have been going on over the past week. First of all, some actual Before news. Before we start, wait a minute. I just thought of this. This is, I know, why do they call it hot stove when it, it really isn't that hot? It, it's like a, I would call it like a smoke stove. Like, you know how, like you, when you smoke something, you cook it slow. So that that's more accurate to what happens in here because all these things happen really slow. Like the biggest move of the off season happened in January and the season ended in October. Like let's. Yeah, I think they might need to uh, to revise the name of what they call it, but I think the original uh, reason for calling it the hot stove season is because during the winter, when there was no baseball, all the men would just gather in like a local, you know, local. The winter meeting would happen, and that's where all the deals got done. Obviously, you can't really do winter meetings this year. Well, yeah, the, I mean, there'd be the winter meetings, but uh, you know, just everyone would just hang out and gather at you know a around the stove, drugstore, pharmacy, where bar, whatever, and around a stove when you know way back before electricity. Interesting. That's the, what I've heard. I don't know. You're how, you're a way better historian than me, so when it yeah. comes to baseball, so yeah, that's what I've heard. I don't know how true that is. Anyway, makes sense to me. But we finally have some actual news instead of just rumors, as the Woo! New York Mets took my advice they are following my new year's resolution for them and they're finally getting some big deals done they made a trade for francisco lendor and they got pitcher carlos carrascos as part of this trade i really like that as well he's obviously flying under the radar because francisco lendor is the headliner of the trade but getting carrascos i think is a big deal as well but the mets get francisco lendor in a trade they make a big move the first really big move of the offseason Lindor is not one of the four big-name free agents that we've talked about this offseason, but he has been on the trading block the entire offseason and honestly going back to last season. So it's good to see him finally get moved. 
Sad for Cleveland fans, obviously, but they had to expect this. They knew it was coming. Good for the Mets. They are finally making some big moves. I love it. I I, I don't want them to be good, but I want them to at least try. And Lindor back is up a the big talk. step. You want that. them to back up the talk that Steve Cohen, when he bought the team, made. And they might have got the best player in terms of transactions this offseason so far. And they might reassure you know that side of the – of the infield as we're going to talk about the second potential move the Mets can make. So yeah, I, I love the move for the Mets. I mean, they needed a shortstop and Francisco Lindor is that. And I think they give themselves a really good leadoff hitter as well in Lindor who can be a versatile option in their lineup. So I, I like the move. And uh, if they pull off the next move, which they're linked to, and it could happen as next week, or at least one of the teams that has to be a favor for them, uh, they reassure, you know, the the left side of their infield, and that is obviously trading for Cubs infielder, third baseman Chris Bryant, which obviously the Cubs just lost Kyle Schwarber to the Nationals, which I think was a good move, underrated good move for the Nationals. But uh, Chris Bryant, a one of a premier third basemans in baseball, on the trading block, and it seems is going to be traded fairly soon. Yeah, yeah, it does seem that way. I know you you tagged me in a tweet this week about Chris Bryant being linked to the Mets. I think that it's it's very likely that if he gets traded, he'll end up going to New York. Obviously, they are in the process of rebuilding that team and trying to acquire some big-name players and some really talented players and build the Mets into a competitive team. Lindor is the first step in that, not the first step, but the, the first really big step. They did sign James McCann earlier this offseason. They signed a couple of relief pitchers, but that's just kind of filling holes in the lineup, filling spots in the bullpen, nothing too big. Lindor is the first big step towards making this team competitive. Chris Bryant would be next. He hasn't been as good in recent years as he was at the beginning of his career. You know, he started his career so hot winning rookie of the year winning mvp winning a world series hasn't been as great recently still a very good player one of the best third basemen in major league baseball and if the mets were able to bring him in without giving up too much and i don't know what they i don't know what kind of prospects they have to trade i don't know who they would consider trading if they were to go after bryant but if they can get him without giving up too much i think it'd be a great deal and it would be really good for them and again it would be backing up the talk steve cohen comes in and makes these big moves and gets the Mets competitive. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Chris Bryant can return to form. I think, um, yeah, it's hard to say where where he's been. I mean, obviously he won the MVP of the year. The Cubs uh, won the World Series, and he has just regressed since then, And which is, is weird to say. I think maybe it's because of he's never really found a spot in the Cubs lineup, and the Cubs lineup has been such in flux since they lost Dexter Fowler where you've never seen to really find a rhythm offensively and I think he'll have more of a set role with the Mets there because he doesn't have to lead off so he might be able to find his rhythm better offensively in hopes to sort of return to form because if the Mets can get MVP level Chris Bryant and MVP level Francisco Lindor which both are capable of being that good man they might have one of the best infields in baseball if you throw in Pete Alonso in there that's one of the best lineups, better lineups in baseball. And when you look at who you have to play against, it's going to be the Padres and the Dodgers. 
as your top two competitors, you're going to need to be producing lots of runs. And so I like the move for the Mets as term as in terms of uh, trying to find some offense when you desperately need it. Yeah, yeah, they are they are really trying to bolster things in New York now in Queens. They are trying to build up this team, and that's what I said they needed to do because we've been hearing about it all offseason as soon as Steve Cohen bought the Mets. It's like, oh, they have all this money now. They have to do something with it. They've got to bring in these big-name players, these big-name free agents, give them all the money they want because they can afford it. They've got to trade for Francisco Lindor. They've got to trade for whatever other big players are out there on the trading block because they have the resources to get it done. And now they're finally doing it. I love the Lindor deal. I would like to see them go after Bryant, be aggressive with it, try to get him into New York. I'm interested, though, to see Lindor will be a free agent after the 2021 season. So I'm interested to see if they are going to uh, I bet he gets an extension. Him. Yeah, I, I'll I bet. wouldn't be surprised if they sign him to an extension before the season even starts. I agree. I think that they had to make that deal knowing they would get the extension done. It would just be a dumb move to make. Because, I mean, I don't think they're going all in on this one season. I think they're trying to be competitive in the long run. And so, yeah, it, it wouldn't make sense for them to bring in Lindor for just one year. They have to be thinking that they're going to get an extension done with him. Oh, I was going to say one thing about that is with if they get Chris Bryant, they're still getting relatively young players with Lindor too. So it's not like they're trading for you know, players at the back end of their prime, they're trading for players who are about to enter or just at the beginning of their prime too, so they can sustain some success a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Lindor is only 26 years old. Chris Bryant's 29 years old. They both still got a lot of baseball ahead of them left to play. I do want to talk about another angle of the Lindor trade. I want to talk about the Indians. You look at how far the Indians have fallen since their 2016 World Series team. I mean, they were so good in 2016, just as good in 2017, although they didn't make it to the World Series. They had a couple of really good seasons right there in the late 2010s. Since then, I mean, they made the playoffs this year in 2020, but it, it didn't end well for them as they faced the New York Yankees in the first round, got swept in that three-game series. And now you look at all the players that were on those successful Indians teams that are no longer there. Carlos Santana, Jason Kipnis, Michael Brantley, Corey Kluber, uh, Trevor Bauer, and now Francisco Lindor. All of those talented players that helped build Cleveland into the competitor that it was in 2016, 2017, 2018, they're no longer there. The Cleveland management and ownership, I don't know what they're doing. But they're not they're they're doing the opposite of what Steve Cohen is doing in New York. They are not trying to put together a competitive team. They're trying to just pay their players as little as they can. And I know I've gone on a little rant about this before, but the fact that they were willing to trade Francisco Lindor instead of signing him to a long term deal, it, it doesn't make any sense to me because yes, it would have been expensive, but he is the best shortstop of his generation. You have to try to keep him on your team. And so the fact that they traded him away, they're very clearly not interested in competing right now. And it's annoying. Yeah, it's got to be frustrating to be a, a Cleveland Indians fan right now. And the way baseball is structured, obviously, with no salary cap, I think you can compare them a lot to you know Milwaukee right now, Milwaukee Bucks in the NBA. And Milwaukee's a similar market to Cleveland. 
in terms of, you know, money. I mean, heck, let's flip it. Compare it to the Cleveland Cavaliers. They spent money. Obviously, granted, it helps to have LeBron James on your team, like the best player of all time, arguably, one of the best players of all time. I'm here to get in that debate. But Dan Gilbert, the owner, granted, he probably has – he's one of the richest owners in the NBA – Spent the money, went into the luxury tax in the salary cap league, but spent the money on guys like LeBron, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, and won a championship there. Cleveland, the other side, the other team in Cleveland's not doing it, and it's it's perplexing to me. Like Francisco Lindor, you pay that man because he's that good. Like he is that good, and I get one player doesn't affect the game in baseball as much as it does in basketball, but. For Cleveland, like, Cleveland fans are going to remember the Cavs' championship run for years, and that makes them money in the long run because they suck now, but Cavs fans still enjoy the Cleveland Cavaliers because they just won a championship a couple years ago. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I don't know what they're thinking, and it must be really frustrating to be a fan of one of those teams that is very clearly not interested in competing because as a fan – you're not interested in going through a rebuild and suffering through however many years it takes before the team is actually competitive again. I can speak from experience as a Braves fan from 2013 to 2018. Those were not fun years. That was very, very disappointing being a Braves fan during that time. It's not fun as a fan to watch your team intentionally be not competitive. Like it's, it makes the game not interesting it's not fun to watch you don't really want to be a fan because the team's not even trying and that's what you're supposed to do you're supposed to go out there and try to win so it's very frustrating and yeah i mean i I don't know what i i wish we had a a friend or knew someone that was a cleveland fan so we could talk with them about it because i want to know what cleveland fans are thinking right now all right i got something for you if the mets are able to bring in chris bryant Bring him into Queens next year via trade. Who do you think leads the Mets in home runs next season? You got Chris Bryant, Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonso, James McCann at catcher. Anyone else on the Mets? When it's Cespedes, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll go with Alonso. Uh, I think he's still their best power hitter. So give me. I'll just bank on you know the guy who set the record for rookie home runs in Pete Alonso. That's probably the uh, the easy bet. I will tell you, according to Baseball Reference and their projections for 2021, Chris Bryant is projected for 18 home runs. Francisco Lindor is projected for 28. And Pete Alonso is projected for 39. So he's projected to lead the Mets in home runs next season between those three players, if they are even able to trade for Chris Bryant, which... We are expecting it. Other people around the baseball world are expecting it. It makes the most sense. Now we just have to wait for it to be officially done. Because that's pretty much how it's been uh, with the Mets and any player that they're linked to. We're just waiting for it to be official. And if you're the Mets, if you don't get Chris Bryant, and this name's been float around the trade market, do you go after Nolan Arenado? I don't see why not. I mean, what do they have to lose? Arenado's going to cost you a lot more than chris bryant will but you have to at least try inquire see what the rockies want but you might be getting the better player yeah you'd definitely be getting the better player in arenado over bryant 
That's why the Dodgers are linked to him. Like, if the Dodgers got Nolan Arenado, I, I think it's a wrap. Like, Justin Turner's great at third base, but, like, but he Nolan doesn't Ar- come close to Arenado. Nolan Arenado is the best. And so you could argue have, you know, the best left fielder, uh, one of the best players in base. They would have, they already have, what, two of the top five players, maybe three of the top 15. You want to throw Seeger in there? You go Arenado, you have at least three in the top 10. Yeah. 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 Holy crap. The Dodgers, that would be, you know, that would be a, the, the boss move. Like, the Padres make all these moves this offseason to bolster their pitching staff. And then, like, last move the Dodgers make, oh, yeah, we just traded for Nolan Arenado. It's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, it could definitely happen. But I think that if the Mets are not able to get Chris Bryant, they should try to make a run at Arenado, see what the Rockies want for him. And if they're willing to give it up, definitely go for it because Arenado is. Uh, the best player, the best third baseman in Major League Baseball, better than Chris Bryant. And we, we like Chris Bryant. He is a great player, and I like to watch him, and he, I think that he is good. But Nolan Arenado is, is levels above Bryant. And yeah. if, you, if you're able to get him, you got to go for it. So I have a question. Obviously, we're going to talk about DJ LeMayhew in a second and why the Yankees weren't signing him. Actually, let's talk about that first, and then I'll ask you my question. We'll we'll try to keep some semblance of of you know an order. So obviously, DJ Lemayhew, not signed by the Yankees yet, which baffles me personally. Um, seems like a monetary difference is is basically what's holding this up. Uh, I would argue that they should pay him what he wants because he's been their best player on their team, and one of the best players in baseball, and you could argue the best hitter right now in baseball. So. Yeah, what are your thoughts, Matt, on just why this hasn't gotten done? And I think this is he's still going to end up with the Yankees. I would say it's like 85, maybe 70% he'll end up with the Yankees. But it definitely is becoming more intriguing as the days pass on. I mean, I think it's like you said, it's just a, a money issue. And that's just the way it is with any of the, the, the top free agents that we've talked about this offseason. They haven't gotten the exact contract they want or the amount of money that they want or maybe the length that they want and so i think dj lemayhew is just waiting for the yankees to give him that right offer and i i mean you're right i do think he will end up back with the yankees because i haven't heard him linked to too many other teams i have heard a couple of rumors saying that the mets are interested and they should bring him in Uh, a, a couple of rumors about the dodgers being interested in trying to put him at third base to replace justin turner but nothing too serious, and everything that I read about LeMahieu and hear about him says that the Yankees are still, you know, his preferred destination. That he is their preferred third baseman or second baseman. Second baseman. And so I, everything that I read and hear makes me think that he is going to go back to the Yankees. I think it is just the money, and he he's just waiting for that right offer, the right amount of money, the right number of years, whatever it is. He wants he wants his offer before he's ready to sign. And I think maybe the Yankees aren't uh, willing to go to that just yet. Maybe as the offseason drags on, the two sides will be willing to meet in the middle and make something work. Yeah, I hope so. This is a mu- I said at the beginning of the offseason, this is a must-get-done do- for the Yankees. Like, they need to get this done. And the fact that they're nowhere close to it as of now concerns me and should concern every Yankees fan. Uh, we'll see what happens. That, that's kind of all you can you can see about it right now is we'll see what happens, and I still think it gets it done. Like I said, I'm about 70-30 on it, so, but we'll see what it what happens. 
But the impression that I have and that I think most people have is that he will end up back with the Yankees. I yeah. Mean, I, I haven't – you don't hear that many rumors about him going anywhere else. It's just the Mets and the Dodgers. I don't know how serious the Dodgers are about getting him. I think they're still trying to get Justin Turner to agree to a deal that they would like. So I, I really think that it's between the Mets and the Yankees for LeMayhew – and the Mets seem to have their focus elsewhere, so it, that narrows it down to just the Yankees. So I do think that he is going to end up back in the Bronx next year. I agree. I, I completely agree. So uh, final thing, this is a surprise to you. Uh, we're we're in the middle of the NFL playoffs, and obviously uh, creativity has now become a part of broadcasting games. And so we are about to watch a wild card game on Nickelodeon that will feature SpongeBob. Obviously, the regular broadcast on CBS. Granted, they picked the probably, uh, I would say, the worst game of the weekend in terms of probably going to be a blowout between the Saints and, you know, the Mitchell Trubisky-led Chicago Bears. So, why do you think baseball has not done any of this? Because the the goal, the obviously goal of this by putting a wild card game on Nickelodeon with a more kin-friendly view is to get a younger audience to watch football. Baseball is struggling with that right now. So if you're baseball and you look at this and you're like, should we steal this and maybe put a couple games on? Obviously, you work with Disney. So like Disney Channel, for example, have like, you know, kids broadcast the game or something. Obviously, they do the Little League um, classic game at with the Little League World Series. But um, could you see baseball doing something like this? I couldn't. I mean, they should. But I can't see it happening because how I feel. because of the way MLB is. And we've talked about this multiple times before, how Major League Baseball is just terrible at marketing itself. They're terrible at promoting the league and trying to grow the fan base, trying to reach out to younger generations and get them interested in the game and interested in Major League Baseball. They're not good at that. And so because of those reasons, I don't see MLB ever doing anything like this, although they should. They definitely should try this. Put a game on Nickelodeon or Disney or well, whatever it is that kids are watching and get them interested in baseball by putting the game in front of them. But that's not what MLB does. They don't put the game in front of you. They make you work to come to the game, and that doesn't work at growing the fan base. I mean, we see it the way they put the same four teams on the national broadcast over and over with Sunday Night Baseball. It's always the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Dodgers, and, you know, the other one can rotate. It could be the Phillies, could be the Braves, some other team. But it's always the the big name teams. You never see other teams on the national broadcast. And then local broadcasts are just you have blackout restrictions. You have all kinds of roadblocks standing in the way of people watching baseball. Major League Baseball just likes to make it difficult to obtain its product. I'm just trying to sit in amazement and watch this broadcast. Yeah, you. I think you summed it up perfectly, Matt, our frustrations with baseball and the marketing because we love the game. We, we truly love the game of baseball, and we started loving it when we were a kid. And I, I'm, uh, I want to give a shout-out to, like, uh, Jesse Dix. He became a Cubs fan because the Cubs games were on WGN every day, and so he would watch Cubs games. Like, things like that could tie teams to baseball, like – I became a Yankees fan because I became in love with a fair, a certain player. Obviously, I have a lot of connections to the Braves because there's Braves ties to Richmond, and they were on TBS. Like Those things are starting to fade away in baseball, and that's affecting the game in, in the long run. And so being creative with your broadcast 
is should be you know the number one thing baseball should do right now yeah yeah i I mean like you said so many people have become baseball fans or fans of certain teams because of the way that things used to be and they've changed and it's just a lot harder to view baseball these days and in a time when mlb needs to be focused on growing the game and growing its fan base it seems to be focused on doing the exact opposite and nobody can really figure out why Well, that's all we've got for you on today's episode of the Foul Ball Area Podcast. A lot of stuff going on around Major League Baseball with the Mets trading for Francisco Lindor. We'll see if they end up getting the trade for Chris Bryant done. Maybe we'll be able to talk about that being official by next week's episode. And then, of course, DJ LeMayhew waiting to see where he signs. Also still waiting to see where Trevor Bauer, JT Realmuto, and George Springer end up signing. One or more of them could end up with the Mets as well. It's going to be very interesting to see how things shake out, at least I hope it's going to be interesting, as we continue to get closer to the 2021 season and to spring training. It'll also be interesting to see when spring training actually starts and when the season actually begins, because I don't think any of that is really set in stone at this point with the way that the world is right now. I don't think we really know how anything is going to look, so it's going to be quite an interesting end to the offseason. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, my guess is uh, there's a lot of logistical things to figure out. Obviously, you know, Toronto is going to probably have to play in Buffalo again, uh, I would guess, for at least the first half of the season in terms of um, what's coming up. My guess is they'll do spring training from teams' regular stadiums. So you'll have spring training from, you know, New York or whatever um, because – they want to limit travel and so it'll be interesting to see how they get it done yeah definitely Spring training's right around the door matthew i hope so i hope so we don't know but i hope it is that's fair but it 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 seems to be right around the corner and and before you know it we're previewing another baseball season we can only hope all right that's all we've got for today's episode of foul ball area trey as always it's been a pleasure i hope you enjoy this nickelodeon broadcast and enjoy the rest of the football on this sunday afternoon I've already seen some slime, so get excited. (laughs) For Trey Lyle, I'm Matthew Atkins. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Foul Ball Area Podcast. Make sure to leave a review and a rating wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe so you get new episodes as soon as they come out.